Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Win your 2022 Dynasty League Series. How do we win the position of a wide receiver? I am Chad Parsons. Welcome to Under the Helmet, the show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. And this week, we continue the series looking at each of the skill positions, getting close. We're only days away now from every team already debuting in the all-important preseason for those little nuggets, those little kernels that we are going to have for data points heading into week one, potentially final roster spots to be had. But we're going to talk in the macro the last two weeks, quarterback and running back. Here we are at wide receiver with some of the biggest tips in order to win your league, win this position. It'd be great if you were above average in every single position on your dynasty roster. So let's get started about what wide receiver is and is not for your teams. The first thing that I wanted to mention here for UTHDynasty.com is roster spot focus for the position. We've talked about quarterback, how depending on how deep your league is, you may want backups. They may be some of the best stash players in the format. Running back, we've talked generally every single format. You want extra running backs. You want those stash players that can be an injury away from prominence on your depth chart. Wide receiver, it really depends on the format. Case in point, most of my leagues that are head-to-head, I have one and a half times the amount of running backs, if not two times or more the amount of running backs to wide receivers. Flip that to a best ball startup draft where we had a little bit of premium at wide receiver, a big premium at tight end, and lo and behold, all of a sudden I have 3x the amount of wide receivers to running backs. And a big part of that is what we love about running backs is the clarity of knowing when they are going to be vital and uh, you know have that clarity of that role, of the starting job, of 10 plus, 15 plus touches. And then wide receivers, they're all over the place. You don't want the ancillary ones. Well, all of a sudden you get the best ball and back to the point here about what does a roster spot at wide receiver mean? Well, in best ball, it means more. It means more because they're on the field for 50, 60, 70 plus percent of snaps, even if they're the number two or in many offenses, the number three option of their depth chart. And so you get those cracks at the pinata in best ball every single week for the, the because they're the, the good matchup. They find a few opportunities. Defensive back falls down. Uh, double coverage goes another direction. And all of a sudden, they put up four catches, a touchdown, and they're putting up 10, 15, 20 points. So that is huge in best ball at the wide receiver position compared to head-to-head where the number two, the number two wide receiver for 
you know, run-of-the-mill passing game in the NFL X doesn't really have the same juice. You know, starting, uh, you know, a good example here would be someone like, you know, let's say Chase Claypool. When are you going to have confidence to start Chase Claypool as the wide receiver two or wide receiver three of a, of a passing game led by Mitch Trubisky, let's say, or Mason Rudolph? Is that going to be appealing? Uh, no. But in best ball, he could, he's going to go off probably for one, two, three big games, maybe more in a given year. So that in and of itself means that the roster spot focus at wide receiver has to be different based on the format. So with with head-to-head versus best ball, the big thing here is best ball, even if you're used to being lean and mean, you have to be open to more wide receivers. And I'm one of the biggest you know, go as light as possible at wide receiver. Let's really concentrate our attention on being rock solid through three, four, five guys so that we can save roster spots. Yet, in in best ball, we want more cracks on a weekly basis to have the benefit. Another another big benefit in a best ball dynasty league is the fact that there's so much more allegiance when you look at the contract uh, the dead cap and all these factors that go into how much allegiance do these NFL teams have to wide receiver compared to running back. Running back has so many guys that are on a year-to-year basis for their livelihood, their contract, and their opportunity. Injury, poor play, incoming rookies, all those things siphon it away. But wide receiver, we do have a good sense that they will be with the team for multiple seasons. And it goes pretty deep. I'm looking here at the UTH Dynasty rankings in the top 50 wide receivers uh, for UTH Dynasty. Out of those 50, only two right now are on less than two years in terms of their allegiance with their current contract. We have Keenan Allen. We have Juju Smith-Schuster. That's it in the top 50. Everybody else is on a multi-year window for that allegiance with their existing contract. You got two guys basically playing for you know the, the, the meat and potatoes of their income going forward with their respective offenses. Shifting over to head-to-head, the roster spot focus at wide receiver, and this is a macro thing. We're not talking specifically about players. That The big thing here with head-to-head is... You have to have that clarity. And the number that are required in lineups plays a major role. If you're in one of those flex-centric f- formats where you only have to start one, then you may uh, you may want to just have... I, I've had some of my best teams before in a flex-centric format. You sit there and if you have two good ones... you know, I remember I had in one, one of these formats, I had Devontae Adams, I had Brandon Cooks, and there were points in the league calendar or in season where I only had two, two, those two wide receivers because it wasn't a big issue with buys, injuries, and I still just needed one. And I was strong enough at running back. I was starting five of them, maybe six of them in a given week. Compare that with needing to start three mandatory with the ability maybe to flex beyond that. I've always said I find the minimum to be about five. And again, it would be four if you're talking about an FFPC type format where it's only start two mandatory. So I think the wide receiver plus two is a good methodology, a general roadmap for what's that trim the fat 
avoid the fat number at wide receiver. If it's start three, if you build it rock solid, I think five is that magic or minimal number. And then if it's start two, I think four. And then if it's start one, again, I've gone lean and mean with two before, but really that magic number is probably around three, just to give yourself some latitude with buys, injuries, and potential poor play. I also think with the roster spot focus, another key aspect is how many developmental players that could be rookies. Then this goes beyond pedigree, but players at the position, you do not expect to start for you. You do not have clarity entering week one of this season that they will be a regular participant in your lineup. So if you have one or two of those, that goes above and beyond. Maybe they're a tweener. If they have first round pedigree, let's say, you figure they're going to be involved. But if they are day two or especially day three, and they're on the developmental curve of year one, year two, they're probably going to be down the depth chart. There's ambiguity in what their role will be. They are complete excess that goes beyond the number that I outlined already because you can't count on them in your lineup. Another key factor in allocating roster spots for the wide receiver position is when do you actually need those reserve options behind your core? Many times you see dynasty rosters where they have a drove of wide receivers. And just because it's a flex spot does not mean it has to be a wide receiver. I think that's a key delineation that we need to make. That it means it could be anything. If it's tight end premium, tight ends come far more into play when you start talking about the flex position. In general, if you have a bunch of backup running backs, maybe you have a few NFL starters, once they have an opportunity, that is going to be when you take advantage and put them as many as you have inside of your lineup. The other factor is instead of sitting in March or in your rookie draft time or in the the summer months or even early August where we currently sit, instead of planning for all of your bye weeks and what what possibly could happen, what if I have this injury plus these two bye weeks that I have in week 14, you're planning too far ahead. You're planning to the minutiae. And this is the same thing that when I see people in redraft, when they are drafting and they're like, oh, this guy's got a week 14 bye week. I can't draft another guy on my, you know, projected in the first five, six rounds or my starting lineup with another week 14 bye. You're putting the cart ahead of the horse. That there's going to be so many twists and turns over the three plus, even four plus months from when you're drafting all the way until that doomsday of having multiple guys on buy that A, they both have to be healthy. B, they both have to be performing. C, you actually have to be at a point of the season where that's a critical game, you're competitive, and all the extenuating factors. So bye weeks, to me, are relatively meaningless. And then the other part is, again, you're going to have so many chances unless it's true best ball with no no adjustments, no moves made in the entire landscape post-draft, then yes, in that setting, you probably want to look at it. But 90-something percent of leagues are not that case in Dynasty. So again, planning for all the what-ifs, you just can't do it. I just took an example uh, league that has 26-man rosters and looked at the sheer volume of, of wide receivers on some of these teams. And this is, this is not meant to out you know any of my league mates or anything. But for example, there is a team that has Josh Gordon on it. 
there's a team that has, and, and these are like, so wide receiver 10 on their respective uh, uh, depth chart. I mean, Josh Reynolds, Dwayne Eskridge, uh, Laquan Treadwell, Tylen Wallace, all those are on Tutu Atwell. They're all on the same team. And you can say if one guy, one, one, he's your dude, that that is the exception of exceptions. Hey, I really believe in X offense or X player. I get it. But when you start doing that, and, and I've said before, it's a slippery, slippery slope because you do it one time. You say, Tutu Atwell is just too good of a value to pass up. So you draft him at 310 of your rookie draft in one year per se. But then it gets to 406 and you go, Dwayne Eskridge, he shouldn't be around. So you take a shot on him. Then you pick up off the waiver wire at some point, Josh Reynolds, he shouldn't be there. All of a sudden, one decision turns into three, turns into five. It turns into a habitual pattern. And wide receiver, the upside, boy, the perfect storm could hit. It's not as clarified as a backup quarterback in Superflex, a backup running back in the formats. Heck, even a deeper roster to tight end league with a backup tight end. Those are far more one-to-one translatable, I can do 75% of what the starter did endeavors. Very clear and crystallized picture. And at wide receiver, it doesn't work like that. You Very few players ever truly benefit by just, I'm the last man standing. I, you know, he, the ball has to go somewhere. That's what the wide receiver position, that makes my skin crawl when I hear the ball has to go somewhere. You still have to win you have to win. You have to have the trust. And frankly, these ancillary wide receivers aren't going to have the trust unless it's schemed and all of a sudden the uh, you know the defense is focused on the actual threat, the alpha of that passing game. And then there's scraps for the ancillary options to finish you know in the year wide receiver 50, wide receiver 75. When frankly they're not that good of players. So all these what ifs, all these, I got to stash so many players that might score 120 points on the year. Good luck picking the best three to four matchups. And, you know, like another team, Zach Pascal, you're trying to take a shot and sharpshoot the wide receiver two, Byron Pringle on the Bears. Is the wide receiver two on the Bears going to matter? Khalif Raymond, he's gotten passed over by like five guys by the Lions this offseason. Emmanuel Sanders, free agent at, what is it, 35, 36 years old. Where's he going? Where's the fit there that you're, thank goodness, thank goodness I kept him. Same team, Dax Milne, Cyril Grayson. You can say, oh, we haven't really had much of an opportunity to uh, to churn rosters you know, this offseason. What are they doing? What are they doing on the team? You've had a chance. You've had a chance to churn. So this is what I mean by... Again, stop thinking about the what-ifs. And if it's start three with a flex or two, it still doesn't mean you should be walking around with 12 wide receivers. I mean, that is de-optimized to the letter of the roster allocation word, law. Next big point. Avoid the upside and unproven profile in those ancillary or expected ancillary roles. This is a key one. Now, we aren't talking about if the best player, best profile available in a rookie draft is, and I've said it before, one of the, one of the rules here in, in wide receiver land is round one pedigree, that matters. Elite profiles in non-round one pedigree, that's the exception. 
the David Bell or George Pickens profile is the exception from non-round one. If you want to say Sky Moore is really good and look at where he landed, okay, that's fine. He's not elite in his profile, but he's very good. He's very good with Patrick Mahomes. That could equal very good results. We acknowledge that. David Bell has an elite profile, regardless of where he was. That carries with him. So, But just to go one step for, farther, when you start going down the rabbit hole, and I've seen in this month of August with new rookie drafts going on, with James Washington, I also find it interesting that James Washington being there and not being there is the linchpin to Jalen Tolbert. A lot of people don't like James Washington, and yet that was a huge hurdle to clear for Jalen Tolbert. So with Jalen Tolbert, all of a sudden now going in the second round of drafts, being uh, you get these split drafts with the first two rounds in May, second two rounds in uh, August here, and he's going 301. 302 as like, I can't wait to get up and draft Jalen Tolbert in 24 man rosters, just jumping at the opportunity. So these ancillary roles, these expected ancillary roles, you've got to be really, really careful because so many teams to get a top 24 type season, you got to be the wide receiver one, or you have to be with an elite quarterback. For example, looking at my chart, with you know quarterback tiers, the top eight is that tier one. And number two guys could be guys like Gabriel Davis. It could be the number two is that Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, etc. with Tom Brady there in Tampa. Mike Williams with Justin Herbert. It could be a number of options. Maybe even Sky Moore, Marcus Valdez-Scanling in Kansas City. It could be a second option in Green Bay. It could be um, Allen Robinson is a, is a low-hanging fruit option with the Rams. A lot of buzz that he could also finish in the top 24 along with Cooper Cup. T. Higgins, Adam Thielen. Look at these options. But yet you're going to sit here on a poor offense. Carolina, for example. Let's keep stashing Terrace Marshall. Bad rookie year. Again, I like the profile. I like the profile. But when you say DJ Moore, not going anywhere quarterback hasn't markedly improved. Robbie Anderson still going to get some opportunities and let's keep banking on Terrace Marshall. Where's the upside here? Where is the upside? And like I said with the with the Chicago Bears, same thing. Like you see so many New York Giant wide receivers being stashed. Brian Edwards is he going to be over Drake London? even if he's the wide receiver two in Atlanta. What does that mean? Well, historically, with that bad projected tier four passing offense, tier four quarterback play, 3% chance that Brian Edwards or the quote-unquote wide receiver two in Atlanta finishes in the top 24. So where are we going with this? And, and I named a lot of guys that are on a lot of dynasty rosters that are way too shallow to roster those types. Want to take a minute, tell you about some of the offerings at UTHDynasty.com. UTH Trade Calculator is updated weekly in season. It's updated periodically. Just went through one early in August with a significant update. 
Things are timely. Between reaction shows for podcasts to the trade calculator and rankings being up to date, whether it's injuries, it's it's routinely on Mondays of the regular season, but you are going to be up to date to exploit the trade market in your leagues. Also, every single month, and it's going to be more than one once a month in season, you get special trade calculator only strategy sessions for the trade market. We have a deep 30-minute show on the quarterback position in Superflex that debuted earlier in the month of August. How to exploit your league with arbitrage opportunities and players to buy and sell within the marketplace with a ton of examples to use the trade calculator and exploit your dynasty leagues. That is going to be something that you rotate through. You get access to these premium shows by becoming a trade calculator subscriber. And we still have a month before the season. If you are doing a dynasty startup draft, if you sign up for three months or longer with the UTH trade calculator, you get access to request startup draft boards or auction boards, hyper valuable. They're going to be ordered by ADP. They're going to have clear cut target players and signals for you to exploit. It makes it very much paint by number in your draft or auction that all you have to do is email, request it, tell me when it is, give me the specifics to the format, and I will deliver a custom draft or auction board to you to have all the tools, all the weaponry you need to dominate your league. So whether it's signing up to be a general manager plus subscriber, all the premium shows, you're going to get invaluable. This time of year, you're going to get the UTH Film Notes podcast, and that includes every game through Sunday night, you also get the uh, the Monday night game. You get basically, if you only have like an hour, hour 15 in a given week, what are the big things I need to know from Chad Parsons who watches every single play of every game and distilling it down to the dynasty information I need to know. And basically in less than the time, it'll take you to watch a half of one game on Sunday afternoon, you're going to get everything you need from all the games. So that's going to be delivered to your inbox every single Monday morning. I do not go to bed until that is prepped and recorded and delivered to all of the general manager plus subscribers. And it's available on any podcasting app you desire. So it's too easy. Whatever shows you listen to, the UTH premium shows will be delivered as well. Before getting to some action plans within the dynasty trading market, I, the last section here I wanted to go over maybe the biggest point, which is not to be so reliant on age at the wide receiver position. I've said before, quarterback and wide receiver, tight end as well, they are tough to get the true young player, but yet they've also proven it for multiple seasons and we can trust them uh, in terms of being a stable producer with their profile. And so by the time a wide receiver unequivocally proves it to us, they're mid-20s by the time outside of the rare Justin Jefferson-like scenarios. And then another point is when, when they start doing it three, four, five times, think Mike Evans, they end up being 28 plus years old. And I want you this season to seek and target those veteran producers. Think older 20s. Think even into their 30s because there are going to be teams with one eye or even both eyes headed towards the offseason at some point 
even early in the dynasty season. It may not be September 17th, but October, November, knock on those doors. Like you're going door to door and trying to sell cookies or vacuum cleaners or magazine subscriptions. When you start seeing a team fall out of it at one and three, two and four, three and six, every single step of the way, every at least every other week, you need to be poking around and start at that point in the calendar, four, six weeks into the season, start knocking on doors. Look at a practice I do. Look at those teams that already are basically out of it. If they maybe have critical players, high-end players that are returning from injury, they might still be holding on saying, ah, if I can just get a win over the next week or two and then my guy comes back, I've got a shot. But there are so many instances where they may not be proactive. They may not be hyperactive with their own team saying, I'm going to go out there and shop these veteran players. They might be in an environment where they are going to end up in December or November accepting a deal because it's the first person that came knocking about older player, in this instance, wide receiver X. So when you are one that they know that you're interested, whether or not in week six, a deal gets done. If you keep knocking on the door and they lost two more games and it's week eight, you have a much better chance to be the one that benefits by getting that production onto your roster. Mike Evans, we're already seeing a discount at 29 years old for uh, heading into week one here. But think of all the players that, you know, at 29 years old, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen is 30, Amari Cooper is 28, Brandon Cooks, Allen Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins once he's back from suspension, Michael Thomas, uh, Tyler Lockett applies, Adam Thielen applies, Robert Woods applies. All of these older wide receivers that if they are wallowing on a team that is not headed anywhere of note in your dynasty league, this presents an opportunity for you to add them to your contending team. And it can be available for cheap as well. So these are the types where if you need wide receiver, instead of thinking you have to trade a huge cross-section of your roster plus picks plus everything else, and again, a deal like that could make sense possibly, but I think a lot of people think, let me address it with younger players. Let me. I need to go get Justin Jefferson. I need to get uh, Jalen Waddle, whatever one or two rookies from 2022 that are producing uh, as lineup viable, that it has to be a young player. I would caution you and say there a lot of these older players that I just mentioned are still on multi-year windows. And uh, I think the false positives of guys that have shown, even rewind 24 months, Chase Claypool was on a path post-rookie year that you would say, oh, he's the next up-and-coming player. Devonta Smith right now. Oh, look at the promise. Elijah Moore. Oh, look at the promise. After one uh, you know, a flash, flash, uh, flash-induced season that it, they did not put it all the way together. They did not have a top 24 season in adjusted points per game. They did not have a top 18, top 12 season. And I think it's important to know that the guys that are generally 26, 28 plus, they have been there and done that. And that's why we have extreme confidence that outside of physical erosion, we know unequivocally they can play. And I think it's easy to throw them out with the bathwater. And by the time we unassuredly know 
that's when we're going to give up. That's when the age starts to crack at the foundation of their market value. When at your wide receiver core, if you got five guys, you don't need to be hyper-conscious with their market value for all five guys. Maybe you mix in a rookie like Jamison Williams or Traylon Burks. Maybe you mix in, you know, maybe that's why in a startup draft, you do start off your, your league with Justin Jefferson, is that I know I have a cornerstone anchor player. But it doesn't mean that behind them, you can't have, you know, or maybe your wide receiver one, in theory, you know, in terms of insulation in the market, maybe it is DJ Moore, maybe it is AJ Moore, or Deontay Johnson at 26 years old. But it doesn't mean that two, three of your other guys likely in your lineup are guys like Mike Evans, or Amari Cooper, or Keenan Allen, or insert all the guys at 28 plus that I've already named. So that's one of the keys is having that balance. But in season, when you're looking for a fix, or even if you're looking to supplement where we had the wide receiver lineup plus two rule, start three, try to have five solid guys. And what that does is it frees up roster spots. But let's say you have four. Let's say one guy is going to be out till December and you're looking to supplement. This is where adding someone very selectively but knocking on those doors from the bottom of your, your standings every single week will pay big dividends because they're the types, the older wide receiver, that they're probably looking for a reason. If they're not paying attention, you need to go give them a reason to pay attention, that you can offer them a second-round pick. You can offer them an upside player that really hasn't done much of anything, but they were drafted in the second or third round of a rookie draft, and you are willing to help them get younger and give them promise for the future, even though, teaser, that older player is probably still going to outproduce that younger player for the next two seasons. And when they're looking to contend in 2023, they probably will wish they still had that player back. To give a few examples in the dynasty trading market, here are some highlights of executed deals, but also wide receivers that have been among August's most top traded wide receivers in the dynasty trading market. One is Allen Robinson. There's immense opportunity with Cooper Cup there. Also, maybe now people might be a little tepid because of Matthew Stafford and his arm issues. But all the things I've heard on the Football Guys Bat Channel uh, from doctors is, you know, this is it's load management. A lot of what you're hearing, he's still throwing. They're just managing it. They're trying to keep his workload down on a quarterback and a team that's going to throw plenty of passes, and they just want to keep their cornerstone Super Bowl winning quarterback fresh. So again, I'm not as worried, and many in the know that. Uh, that I resource are not that concerned about it. Allen Robinson has one of the best profiles when you say of wide receiver twos in an NFL offense to A, bounce back, B, come back with his best quarterback in his career and be a strong, even top 12 producer this year, even with Cooper Cup going bonkers. And a couple of trades in the marketplace. We have Allen Robinson for Cole Komet, a second and a third in tight end premium. I will ask this. Is Cole Komet going to move the needle for your team? I highly doubt it. If this was two tight end and with you know 1.5 PPR for the tight end position, we can have a different conversation. But Allen Robinson can fuel a title this year, especially since he's probably going to be in your wide receiver three or four spots for your lineup and for your depth chart. 
that is a huge win to not give up a first round pick. Another one is Allen Robinson for Kenyon Drake, Robert Woods, and Kylan Granson. Same thing, tight end premium. You're not giving up uh, any big pieces there. Robert Woods to Allen Robinson is a major upgrade in terms of upside proposition. And then finally, trading Amon Ross St. Brown for Allen Robinson and Wandale Robinson. Look at the upgrade in pedigree. Look at what the Lions did adding weapons to that offense. And Amon Ross St. Brown had a clear run of things last year when he was producing well. You get Allen Robinson. You get a quarterback and offensive upgrade. Wondell Robinson, top 50 pick, even though he fits the definition of an ancillary wide receiver that I said you need to be careful of. If he pops, all of a sudden he can become a flip player or someone to utilize as a tool in your dynasty upgrades. The other player I wanted to cover is Brandon Ayuk. Plenty of buzz about Brandon Ayuk in training camp, and I'm sure it's going to perpetuate through August. And the profile here is a year one breakout player. Year two, obviously, in 2021 did not go as expected, but he already has round one pedigree. He had a good profile entering the NFL, and he has a top 24 season under his belt. The biggest concern is George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Ayuk all fighting for targets on a team where we have an incomplete grade and don't really know what to expect from Trey Lance, the passer. We have a good idea of what he can provide as a runner. But Brandon Ayuk getting hot, and he, again, would be an example of one of those, I'm not sure if he is going to be in lineups, but the odds that you have him in your wide receiver three or four spot, and he doesn't at least deliver that amount of requisite appeal in your lineup is pretty low. So a couple examples of recent trades, as he's been one of the most traded wide receivers as well, Brandon Ayuk for a 23 first in Superflex. Now, again, first-round wide receiver that already has a pedigree to him. This is a fair deal. However, Brandon Ayuk, with with his ability and already having a hit, if you are a competitive team, this is one where you take Brandon Ayuk and the profile that has already been built. That said, if you are loaded and Brandon Ayuk is way down your depth chart, the flexibility of the pick can win. So this is where, again, you really have to judge where you are and where Brandon Ayuk is on your team. The other part is Brandon Ayuk for Sky Moore and a future fourth. The fourth doesn't matter. And Brandon Ayuk, again, stronger pedigree, stronger production. And through two years, he's shown quite a bit. Sky Moore, later day, uh, later round two selection. And I, I just feel like going within the position, you need a little more kickback to go to Sky Moore than a future fourth. Finally, we have Brandon Ayuk and Wondell Robinson for Marquise Brown. Have never been the biggest Marquise Brown fan. It took him, I think, four years uh, for him to finally get home and finish in the top 24 this past year. And then he's, uh, it was actually year three, excuse me, uh, finishing at wide receiver 20 in adjusted points per game. But going to uh, Brandon Ayuk, who is going to be one that projects more as that feature element of an offense, and you get Wandale Robinson. So again, I already mentioned Wondell Robinson a couple different times, but he is someone that could maybe be your exception to exception. You take them on. I would prefer, if you're trading Marquise Brown, you get a running back in that position instead of Wondell Robinson because it better fits your 
uh, your roster allocation there. But again, Brandon Ayuk is one where he could be a sell, could be a buy. He is pretty fairly priced in the market by these examples as compared to Allen Robinson, who is an overt value based on his profile and upside proposition. Thanks so much for listening this week. Finishing out the Win Your Dynasty League series next week. We'll already have some preseason games to discuss in full and the tight end position to cover and close out the series in mid-August next week. Want to remind you, in addition to UTHDynasty.com, if you want to support the show, keep it ad-free. You don't want to hear about all the products you hear on every other podcast you listen to. Then you want to go over to patreon.com slash UTH, get free bonus content uh, in terms of, you hear a lot of the backstories behind UTH. You have access to a, VI, a thriving VIP chat room that I'm a part of answering questions in depth every single day. Some of the most dominant dynasty owners out there, whether it's Devi or two quarterback, whatever your format is, we have, including myself, experts that run and are successful in these dynasty leagues that offer their advice, and it's a collaborative environment where we all get better. In addition to that, the UTH Best Ball Contest is already up 100 players deep with some big UTH prizes at the top, free general manager subscription, a year trade calculator entry uh, into the Scott Fishbowl for the upcoming year, a lot of prizes you can win, and also competing against Katie, Tim, Jordan, and myself in this best ball, build it against the salary cap format. You get a free entry if you sign up as an all-pro uh, patron this month. You get a free entry into the UTH Best Ball Contest as well as trying out that VIP chat as well as all the audio content. I do a weekly show. We start talking in season and even in August, the waiver wire on a regular basis weekly in season there to optimize your weekly waiver wire strategy. So can't recommend it enough. Patreon.com slash UTH. I'm Chad Parsons. You can find me on Twitter at Chad Parsons NFL. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.